I, I want to share today um, not really one text. I want to share a word, and if you understand that word, it will open up many, many texts. And we have talked about this before, but very quickly and in passing. So let's read um, just a, a bunch of verses. That's to sort of get our feet wet with this word. Um, and in John chapter 15, <clears throat> um, that's the chapter concerning Jesus saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now he says in verse 10, now I want you to listen to this. And what do you make of it? That's the big thing. What do you make of it as I read this? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Okay, what about verse 12? This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Um, verse 17, this I command you that you love one another. Now flip over to First John, that is letter at the end of the New Testament, and um, verse 21. And again, what do you make of this? Listen to it. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he's given to us. One more, which is over the page in the second epistle of John, and in verse 5, and he's writing to a lady. And so he says, Now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Do you see the word that keeps cropping up there? It's a word that is all over the Old Testament, and it certainly is in the New Testament. So this is a word, if you don't understand what this word commandment means, you will be missing something in both the Old and the New Testament. And you could say that in, the, especially in John chapter 15, it is this word that holds the whole chapter together. He, he is saying that it's the commandments by which we abide in him. It's the commandments because that's how you love him. It's the command to love one another. It's the command that we had from the beginning. It's the command that we, goes on and on. What is it? Because, and I say what is it, because, um, I don't like the word command. 
and and I mean deeply I don't like it. And somehow it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the passage. It doesn't certainly doesn't fit John, uh, who um, uses it more than anybody. Um, because when I say command, well, listen carefully, because you might not have thought about it. You might just not like it. But think about it. A command is something coming from outside of you. It's external. It's coming from an authority figure and somebody who is sitting into their authority. It's in the tone of their voice. You don't give a command by saying, I say, would you mind if perhaps you might? No. A command is you do it. And it comes from an authority figure that you are supposed to respect and do it. Command. And have you noticed that when you receive a command, many times you have an inner resistance to it? I don't know something about it. Um, if you'd have just gently said, I'd like you to do it, maybe that would be different. But when it's a command, there's something that rises within us that is a resistance. We, we don't like it. And in fact, I don't want to do it. I suddenly feel all the symptoms of the flu coming over me. I, I don't want to do this. I drag my feet. That's a command. Try it on your teenagers and you'll, you'll understand what I mean. It's an inner resistance that is then followed by reluctant doing. And it penetrates our society because um, something that is very uh, omnipresent with us is, our, you know, I'd rather be fishing. You've seen it on the back of the car, I'd rather be fishing. Meaning I've got to do this. Somebody demands I do it. And if I don't do it, there'll be trouble, but I'd rather go fishing. You know, that's exactly what I'm saying. There's a reluctance. There's a, do I have to do this? And, and of course, the phrase that is embedded in our society, thank God it's Friday, meaning I've had to live from Monday all the way through till Thursday night, but thank God it's Friday because tomorrow's Saturday. And I don't want to do what I'm doing. I'm not interested in what I'm doing. I can't wait till it's Saturday, but thank God it's Friday. Just another... You know, that's all associated with command, at least it is to me. And by the look in many of your eyes, what I was saying, that it is to you. Um, it produces, when I say command, it produces the idea that I'm boxed in. Suddenly, I am no longer free to do X, Y, Z. I've been commanded. And now there's a, a, the command limits me. I, I So along with command goes the unspoken, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, because you've got to do this. Command, limitation. And it's it's got in it all the ideas associated with you must, you ought, you should. It's command. So what do I do? Well, I guess I've got to do it. I'll try my best to look happy doing it. I'll struggle to do it. Um but I don't know why I'm doing it. Most of the commands, I don't know why I have to do it. Um, I've got no idea of how this stupid thing they've told me to do fits in with the grand picture of life. They just said, do it. And of course, usually with command, ask no questions. You do it. And, and so I do it. I don't know why. I don't really want to. 
but I must, I should, I ought. But thank God it's Friday. So, come on. How on earth does that fit into the Bible? It fits into religion that many of us were raised with. It was a series of meaningless commands. Um, there's the Ten Commandments, which are so basic, it's, it, I can't imagine a society without them. Uh, so that they, they really they belong in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned in the New Testament. Um, they're, they're more for society, more than my relationship with God, except for the first two. Um, and anyway, you know, keep the Sabbath day to make it holy because, I mean, no, hold it. That's all gone with Jesus. And so forget the Ten Commandments. It's all the other commands that religion has put in there that fit what I'm telling you. You can't go here. Why not? I said so. That's it. Um, you can't do that. You can't drink that. You can't chew that. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And you can't wear that. Um, I remember a very famous speaker who got into politics. And he said, and I heard him say it, and it was also recorded in print, that he, he the teenage boys in his church had to cut their hair to a ridiculously short, what he thought was holy. And he said, he said, will you, talking to the teenage boys, will you go to hell for six inches of hair? Um, and it became the command, the command. Why can't I have longer hair? Well, that's neither here nor there. I said so. And you'll go to hell if you... We, hey, come on. Most of America was raised with this kind of stuff. Commands. I wrestled with that word for I don't know how long until I discovered what the word in the Greek language said. And, and I, this is where it's very difficult for me to tell you there's a word in, in our English Bible that does not represent what the Greek word said. That's tough for me to explain that. And I suppose in the minds of the translators, it did make sense. But I'll leave that with them and the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to tell you the word here. And I've got to tell you then the Greek word. And the Greek word is entol or entoli. Depends how you pronounce it. Entol. E-N-T-O-L-E. And it's one of the simplest words in Greek to find out what it means. Because there are two words there. E-N. And E-N in the Greek language means to come inside. And to come inside in a very definitive way. When, when the birds that you see at this time of year, they go into their nest and they snuggle into the branches and the leaves and the feathers. Or the, they, they, that's this word, and they go into. It's, it's not just a sort of passing through. It's into. It's and we use the word for homes. You're, you women are nesting. We go into the home, and it embraces us. This is now our home. We're inside it. You get the feeling, and so it means to implant. It means to put something inside, and once you're inside, you're fixed there. You're set there. You can't slip out of it. You're, you're set secure. It's permanent. In fact, it could be described as an organic union. You've come into and you're not going to be defined now without that into. 
whatever you're in now is part of your definition. Part of my definition, if I'm introducing myself to people, I would give my address because I'm not just a floating person. I don't just walk the streets of Bandera. I've got an address. I go into that, and that's part of my definition. I live there. Um, Tole, now that's the neatest of words. It means the finished article. It, It means complete. It could be the finished, accomplished work. In fact, on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, this is the word he was using. And so it is finished. It means it's accomplished. It's achieved. It means a goal. Something we're moving toward is done. It's been accomplished. An intention has been achieved. Okay, now put that together, because that's the whole word, in tole. Put it together. It means an implanted, a put inside of you, to snuggle down inside of you to impart a finished product. It means an inward direction. That, that's the finish. This is, this is the finish. This is what is. Now that's where we're going. It's a directive, a goal an intention, a purpose. And it's, it's, it's presented, it's finished. It's what Jesus said in a rather cryptic way when speaking to the woman of Samaria. Do you remember? He said, the hour is coming and now is. Well, if it is coming, how could it now be? Well, that's what I'm talking about, that there is put inside you a goal accomplished. It's done. We're not talking about getting there or doing it. It's done. But at the same breath, I'm saying we're moving toward the full experience of it. It's, it's a sort of interior desire. Did you notice this isn't coming from the outside? This is not some authority figure barking in your ear. The Holy Spirit sneaks this into your heart. And it now it's a desire or want to... I feel that this this vision, you could say, uh, of a, an end goal is now drawing me toward it. it it's, it's a desire, an interior desire, an inward directive, because the finished product is in. And so the divine will, and when I say the will of God, that's a that's been so kicked around. I, I don't mean, is it the will of God you should live in Oklahoma City? That's... You can live where you want because God's everywhere. But um, no, this, this is what's his purpose? What's he up to? What's his intention? What's his blueprint? And he puts it inside of us. And, and, and we, we see it. And I don't mean with these eyes, nor do I mean with some great flashing vision. I mean, you know, in, in, in your gut, you have a knowing. You, 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 that's the goal. But the goal comes with, I did it. It's done. And so within me is God saying, here's the accomplished purpose. And I put it inside of you and you are now moving toward it. So it's not a command, is it? Not really. 
I, I get the drift. Uh, I command that's a direction, I guess. But the way God does it is entirely different to what we mean by the word command. This, this is love. This is love embracing me and whispering into my ear where he's going to take us. And he's joining me into it and say, let's do it and go together because he's already done. Okay. At least here in the room, I got plenty of nods on this. So I'll dare to proceed. That there is an entole, entole, right at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. There is a, shall I say, command, but it was this kind of command. Before there was creation, the Holy Trinity, shall I say, had counsel, and that is in the Scripture, it says that. And I don't understand how, but there is decision. It was not the flip of a coin that brought creation into being. It wasn't that a piece of dirt happened out of nowhere and um, sort of then hit by lightning and the storm came from nowhere. And um, we, we no, that's all such utter nonsense. Any thinking person knows that if you have a goal, if you have an intention, if you're going to do something... You've got to have a blueprint before you start. I'd never have a man build me a house that say, well, we're just going to let this evolve and see where it's going. <laughs> it's okay. It's the truth. That before anything, there was an entoli. God spoke a completed desire. He didn't say we're going to have a go at this. He didn't say we're going to try and make this happen. He said, this is what we're going to do. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit determined this is what's going to happen. And it was all-encompassing. It, it took in the entire creation, but most specifically took in mankind, you and I. What is it, this entole? Um, in Ephesians 1, 3, read it when you get home, but you know it, 3, 4, 5, 6, and there it, it lays it out. And it says it was before the foundation of the world that this entole was declared. And that entole begins, and I, I'll give you a synopsis of it very quickly, that it begins with, let us never forget the most amazing, most breathtaking foundational reality and that is God is love. And if you want to realize how radical that is, try it out on your religious friends. And their response will be, God, yes, God is love, but... And then go on to tell you that he's got to be a God of judgment and punishing. and Because to them, it is, and when I began to preach that God is love, I had phone calls from very well-respected theologians and says, what you're saying, that God is love, is very dangerous. It's a dangerous doctrine. That's religion, straight from the horse's mouth. Um, no, it, it begins with that. God is love. And love, in a way that and to forever will baffle me, I can't say you're the wise of the house, 
But this God who is complete in himself, he who is love, the Father loves the Son, the Son, the Father, the Spirit, the Father, the Son, complete love, total friendship, total delight. God is love. And yet he chose, let me put it even stronger, he desired and he wanted that he should never be God without us. Now, don't ask me to explain that. It's a simple fact of Scripture. God said, let us create. Why? Why would God ever create you or me? Um, because, he said, I, I choose, I'll never be God without that person. I'll never, I don't want to be God without that person. That's the beginning of this entole so that he puts it inside everything he does. When he said, let there be light, this was inside that. When he made trees and butterflies, he, that was inside it. He, he did it because he loved you with this passionate love that refused to be God without you. But then that creation, the entole said, would be accomplished in and through Christ, God the Son, Jesus we call him because he became flesh and had a human name. But he is called the Christ, he is called God the Son. And the creation, this arena where this love would take place, would be accomplished through the Son, Jesus. And so he is the creator. And, and the scripture again makes it very, very plain that he made everything that is, and that all that is was not created apart from him. And he created the visible world and the invisible world. And if you're hung up on the quantum, well, Jesus invented the quantum. Don't, don't try and reduce him to part of it. He dances on the quantum. He is the creator of, of everything that is. But now, have you ever thought that put him into a deep relationship with you? He made you. I remember visiting, he was one of our partners at the time, and he was an inventor. And I spent a day with him, and it boggled my mind with all that he had invented. But there was one particular thing, something used in contracting, and I don't, I can't even explain it, but you, you put it on nuts and bolts and whatever. I don't know. But whatever... No one else had ever thought of this before. Just this little bit of it did it differently to everything else. And, and, and he had, it, he sold so many, it made the sort of golden globe award or something. And he had this one. It was now plated in gold and with his name that he'd invented it. And, and he took it and he, he, was, he was caressing it. And he, and he said, and he gave me the whole line of how he had come to do it, his thought process. And I realized inside that gizmo, there were his, his thoughts were there so that the whole world you know, could use his thoughts because he invented it. That's what invention means. And, and, and the shape of the thing and the feel of the thing. And he was explaining to me what it, the weight of it so that it feels good in your hand and, and so on. That was his thoughts. 
that he had translated into this piece of steel or whatever it was made of. Do you realize that you are infinitely more than a contractor's tool? And do you realize that Jesus, your creator, let's not get any further than that, just your creator, he caresses you. And the way you think, where did you get that from? He who is original thought, he put his own, he fashioned you. And the way your heart beats, I mean, how fantastic. You're 18 days old and suddenly, boom, your heart's Where did that come from? You are, says the Psalm 139, you are fearfully, wonderfully made, which means you take my breath away. You're a human being, good grief. Every cell in your body has got the thoughts of Jesus because he's your creator. So right there, for if Jesus is the creator, that involves the Father and the Spirit. It means you don't even have to know his name. You don't, if you're here, if you're breathing, if your heart is beating, it means that you have the fingerprints, but of course it, it's not so because God doesn't just deal in fingerprints. I'll say it though, you have your fingerprints of Jesus all over you, but the way he does it, it's with his thought and his word. And so you have, I don't care your background, I don't care whether you believe it or not, it's beside the point. Uh, you have the mind and the very words of Jesus creator all over you, making you work. As I said, he refuses to be God without us. And so right from the get-go, we, we, we're, we're like him. We're, we, he's there, right there. And, and we've got this idea among many, to the, well, they're not a believer. Who cares? I wasn't talking about them. I'm talking about this incredible God whose entole went out. You don't think you had a say in your creation. You didn't give permission to be here. Do you understand? Stop talking about yourself. But then, the creator, Christ, who already is locked into you to make you happen, the creator then became us as if what I've just said wasn't enough that's the incarnation and when I say that I'm not talking about Christmas that's when he was born the incarnation is nine months earlier when God the creator inside the womb of the virgin Mary became human so he's no longer the inventor, which is uh, a limited access. He's outside. Now the creator becomes one of his creatures, became us. And yet he never ceased to be the creator. He didn't lose himself in, in his human. He joined us in our darkness we didn't get it. We didn't understand it. But he joined us in our darkness and all that went with the darkness. 
and he elevated us. He joined himself to us and elevated us with him into the Holy Trinity. So that the entole, remember, this is the, this is the design. This is the blueprint. This is the finished article is that we sit down and we share, we share with Jesus his relationship to the Father. We know God, Father, love himself, even as God the Son, Jesus knows that. That was the entole. That's the tech, this is what this is what it's going to be. And, and that means then, I, I'm, I'm a son of God. I'm sharing with what only the Son knows. And that means I am as beloved to the Father as God the Son, Jesus is. Do you realize that? There's no grades of love that he sort of loves you a little bit. He loves this one a lot more. And well, of course, God loves the Son. That's out of sight. No, there's only one love. God doesn't split his love up which means that you, at this microsecond that I speak, you are beloved of the Father in exactly the same way that he loves Jesus. And that Jesus inside of you, joined to you, one with you, is showing you that's the reason of your creation. Don't be shocked by it. Don't, don't feel awkward. This is, this is why we created you, that you would become one with the love of God. And that being the case, then you share in the friendship with God. Stop all this groveling nonsense. And you say, well, it's pride if I just sort of present myself to God as his best friend and start chatting with him. Well, that you might think that, and I can understand it, but it's none of your business. The entole, the passion the determination of God said, this is what we're doing. We're going to take a creature, a made thing, something that was invented, only in the invention we're going to lock ourselves into them. And he said, for the plan, the purpose, that you'll come here and sit face to face with me because you'll be joined to Jesus. And face to face with me, you will be my beloved and you will accept my friendship and, and you will accept your own acceptance. And you, you will realize that this incredible conversation with the Holy Trinity, while you've got two feet thoroughly upon this earth, you're in creation, but you live in communion with God. And with that goes everything that's encompassed by being loved. And it means that we, because we're sons of God, now love others with God's love. That's the entole. That was the declared intention. That's the purpose. And he put it into the heart of man to say, that's where we're going. That's the way it is. And did you notice, it's all about Jesus. He's the creator. He's the one who becomes one of us to join us into God. It, it's Jesus. He, he's the goal. It's taken me time to say all of that, but reduce it to a word. Jesus is the goal. It all hangs around him. And he's the one that achieves the goal. That's what it means on the cross. He said, it's finished. We did it. It's finished. Okay, put it this way quickly. 
this is another hour really, but do you remember Jesus introduced himself in Revelation and said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Have you caught with what that means? He was in the beginning when this entole was spoken. But he's at the end at the same time doing it and fulfilling it and making it happen. And so in him you meet the blueprint, but you also meet the incredible plan that got you into it and made you sons of God, daughters of God. Of course, then comes the entrance of sin. And that means the entrance of death, which is not to be thought of merely as the end of life. It's death. It's the twisting of life into nothingness, ultimately. Death. And a profound darkness entered into the mind of this incredible human that God had made. A darkness that I have a few weeks ago called dementia. That we, we, we went stupid. We lost our mind. We don't even know who our dad is. We, we, we began to think that, as I said, we come from a bit of slime that got hit by lightning. And, and um, just a minute, when, I, when I'm believing that, I, I'm serious, I've lost my mind. Do, do you realize that? This, is, this isn't what we, we call sins, which are merely behaviors that we, I do all the things you shouldn't do. No, the question before that is, why are you doing all the things you shouldn't do? Because you lost your mind. You're in darkness. You're in a profound blindness. You don't even know there's another reality except the one that what do you do? The one that you invent. You become the inventor. I don't know who I am. I don't have a clue who God is, if there is a God. So let's make up a God. We'll invent a God that fits how we feel. I feel guilty, so God must hate us. God must want to punish us. God must hate the guilt. We make up a God that fits us like a Lego piece in our darkness. Even as a person, the most tragic thing you'll ever see, I believe the most terrible disease on the planet, dementia, Alzheimer's, when they live in their own invented reality and they look at you they're beloved, and they don't know who you are. That, that's a, a very, I mean, it's an image of, of what I'm trying to say here. We, we didn't know who God was, didn't know him. And we don't even know why we're here. So we invent meaning to being here. Silly little meanings. And many times it is in religion, it's people say, well, I found the will of God, and they don't even know what we're talking about here. The will of God to them is a place. It's something I do. It's something. No, the will of God is this. This is the will of God. The will of God is the blueprint. The will of God is the purpose. This is it. And the name of that purpose is Jesus. And the name of Jesus means he has come and joined himself to us that we be joined to God. But mankind was blind, missed a whole point, invented another whole reality inside the darkness. That's what the incarnation is about. That's why God became flesh. How can I put it? The darkness. And you know this in your own experience. You know it from your friends too. The darkness, spiritual darkness, inner blinded eyes. I don't get it. 
So when you say God is love, honestly, don't be mad at them. They don't get it. They're blind. They have a spiritual dementia. And the God they've invented couldn't love them because they're unworthy, they're no good, they're a whole list of things. And so they, they, they don't, they, there's a blindness, you see, the, the blindness stops them. The darkness of this negative world of sin. And, and that is hostile. The darkness is actually hostile against the truth. And so it's not only that I don't get it, there's another voice that says, don't be stupid, that could never be so. You're not good enough, you're not worthy enough. And on and on it goes. There's a hostility in the darkness to keep you. How is God going to get to us? Because when he speaks to us through the prophets, when he talks through what we call the Old Testament, who's ever going to hear it? By the time it hits the darkness, it's twisted, distorted, and people hear something else. That's the incredible plan that I don't know how to put words to, that God, who spoke the entole, came inside us and became one of us. What does that mean? He got inside the darkness. Do do you understand that? If he speaks, what he says comes up against the darkness, slam, and the darkness is hostile. And the darkness causes all manner of confusion. Well, how do you get beyond that? You come right inside of it. You join us in the darkness. Look, get get rid of those pictures of Jesus with those funny lights around his head and, and you know, that look on his face and the, the, those, the way he speaks makes your flesh crawl. You know, he, he doesn't belong to us. No, Jesus so belongs to us, it's, it's frightening sometimes. Because he was confronting the darkness exactly as we do. He heard the same lies of Satan that we hear. Or as the scripture says, he was tempted in all points like as we are. But instead of doing it and listening to the lies... He said himself, I listened to my father. And do you remember what he said? He said, my father gave me the commandment. So as human, he, well, of course, he was there when it was originally spoken. But now he's become one of us, and so he has to listen like us. And he he says, my father gave me the commandment. And he says, I don't say anything except I I hear. I don't do anything unless I see. I'm not listening to the darkness. I don't listen to the liar. I listen to my father and that original commandment. Do, Do you realize the word, the creator, the word who spoke us into being got inside our darkness where we are with our lives one great heap of mess, he snuggled down into it, and inside it, he told us who the true God was. Inside all our lies, he revealed who we really are. 
Do, do you understand that? You see, religion says you are a miserable sinner. Well, no, you are not that. You are one who was created in God's image and he says you are good. In fact, he took a second look and he says you are very good. Everything about you is just as we planned it. You are just what we wanted. And Satan came in with the darkness and the lie and says you're no good. You're absolutely twisted mess. So... The person with dementia, is that who they really are? Mm -mm. You know, behind that beclouded mind, there is your beautiful mother, there's your beautiful father, your relation. That's who they are. When I meet the worst of people, I know that they have been so blinded, so twisted. But that's not who they are buried inside of them is how we were made, the blueprint. And Jesus came into us and inside the darkness announced who God really is. This incredible, amazing God who is love and told us who we really are and said, I am in you. You didn't even know it. You're blind to the very power that makes you a human being but I'm in you, you're in me. Now let's go from there. Right there. He was, he was governed by the original purpose. He was governed by the entole, which meant he was the light in the middle of the darkness. He, he is the meaning of human life. Refused to yield to the lies. The, the Satan came to him and says, if you're the son of God, you could do this. And he says, I don't need to do that to prove I'm the son of God because my dad says I am the son of God. That's the end of the... He was governed by something bigger than the temptations. You, you understand? Where you've got that end vision. You know who you are. You know who God is. You know where he's going. All the, you, you, the lies immediately appear to be what they are, lies. And, and, and so, all his conversation, he goes out into the mountains in the early morning and, and it says to pray. Well, that's another word we should take a couple of hours on. Um, pray does not mean at all asking for something. Pray means conversation. Pray means living in the other's words. Pray, pray means friendship in action. It means camarade. It, it, it means sitting around a campfire, laughing with each other. Jesus went onto the mountains. Just, he knew his father. As a human being now, not only as the son of God, he takes his human out there. And humans, this is what we're made for. Every miracle that he did is that entole, that God loves you, and he's not the author of pain and hurt. Wherever you turn. But to really get inside of us, that's the cross. He put himself into the hands of wicked men, and whatever they did to him, he accepted it until he was in the embrace. He got inside the darkness at his very guts. 
And that, right there, he became you in the deepest sense. The Bible says he became your sin. Many times we say he, he bore our sin, which is okay, but put all the verses in there. He not only bore it, he became it. How? How is it possible that God, the Creator, would become human, but then become us to the point he became our sin? So that when you look at him, you, you do not see Jesus, you see you. And then it says he became our curse. Every curse that the darkness brought, he became it. He didn't just sort of hold it. He became it. And then God, who is life, entered into the depth of death, which, as the Bible means that, it means the un unknowing Absolute, I mean, unbeing, you, you've entered into the ultimate darkness. Except he, he did it, but you, I can't say, there's no other way of saying it. I hope you hear what I'm saying. It's, I'm meaning it most literally. You entered into ultimate, final death with Jesus. And then the Father raised him from the dead and in so doing raised you from the dead. It's a fact. I, I, I wish I could find other words, but there's something so simple you just have to say them. And then he comes out of death and the Father said in Psalm 20, Psalm 2, you are my son. Come, welcome home. But you realize you were so in Jesus that that was you. The Father put his arms around you and said, you are my son, you are my daughter, you're home. I've been waiting for you since the Garden of Eden. You come home. And that's the entole. You're home. That's the, it's been achieved. It's happened not merely in history, but by the creator of all stuff, all time and all space. He did it. So the entole from before time now is an actual historical fact. That the human who went into the darkness, God came not only after him, but became her and carried him, her, out. And such a union that the Father now cannot and will not speak to the Son without speaking to you. And he'll never speak to you without speaking to Jesus because you are so utterly one. You haven't become him, he hasn't become you, but you are in him. And he is in you and he speaks the entole that was spoken from the beginning into you. It's done. It's finished. You're home. You are received. Sin has been cancelled. Death has been cancelled. You're now 
a child of God. It's as, put it this way, it's as if, yeah, hear this, hear it. It's as if Jesus takes himself and pours himself inside of you so that the relationship Jesus has to the Father, now you can enjoy that. And the knowing of Jesus concerning himself, you know the same thing, that he lives inside of you and you live inside of him. And, believe it or not, if when you know that and you live there and walk in that reality, the works that he did, you do also, which begin with loving one another as he loved. And he goes on, Jesus said, my joy I give to you. My joy. He didn't just say be happy. He said, my own joy, the joy of God I give to you. The peace of God that passes human comprehension is given to you. In fact, in John 17, it says, my, Jesus said, my glory I give to you. He poured himself into you and everything you have is because of him. So I say it again, he's the beginning. This is where it all started. He's the end. He's the one who makes it happen. And he's the end to such a point that he's in you to bring it to his conclusion in you. This can't fail because he who made the plan now came to dwell inside of you to make it happen. This is, this is the gospel. Please don't don't tell me that the gospel is that you go to heaven when you die. That borders on a sort of paganism, you know, because most people think they're going to a golden mansion and probably have three Cadillacs. And um, yeah, well, I've talked to people. I, you know, have you ever been mugged by believers? They they come and oh, come on. You stand at airports, especially bus stations, where you're just hanging around, and they'll come and bam, there. Do you know where you're gonna? You know, I was at an airport the other day, and a person comes and says, "If this plane crashes, do you know where you're going?" That's a great way to introduce the love of God. But, um, and and I, I like to I like to question these people. I say, you know, what what is this gospel you're talking about? What what do you mean? Well, you're going to hell. But but if you say these words after me, you'll go to heaven. Oh, selling insurance. It's, what, what has that got to do with anything? This is, this is, the, this is the gospel. The, the gospel is not even that your sins are going to be forgiven. That's a P.S. Of course your sins have to be forgiven. Of course you have to be delivered from the darkness in order to get to the blueprint. The blueprint is that you, inside of Christ, Christ inside of you, are face to face with the Father, who is your dearest father, your dearest dad. And he loves you, he calls you beloved. And he's with you and in you, and your whole life is fashioned around that. Oh, I could, really, I suppose it's two hours here. Um, he, he's, he's put himself, he writes his intention, he writes his entoli within us. And that's why when we say this, there's a look in people's eyes, I, I've hit something. 
And I've had people tell me they, they believe in what I'm saying, but their church won't let them believe it. And they don't, they don't want to keep talking. But they've admitted it was resonating. A bell was ringing inside. That's it. That's it. That's it. The entole is there. Christ is there, you see. It says in the Old Testament, I'll write my law upon their heart and put it into their mind. Oh, well, I don't know whether. <laughs> you see, this brings incredible rest. The whole of the Old Testament is will be. It's not yet. And tragically, I find, especially in the last months, with everything we've been through, people have lived in the Old Testament and quoting Old Testament verses. Please, would you understand, and I don't say this snarky, but have you ever heard Jesus has come? Have you heard about the incarnation? Do you know that is why it's called an Old Testament? And do you realize when Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he did the night of his resurrection is say, now let's start with the Old Testament and revise everything that's there. And he said he taught the Old Testament to them to show it was all really about him and not what it looked like. Now please, please, come into the New Testament. And if you just go through the New Testament with this word command, at least it will be a beginning. You'll, you'll, you'll see what, what the Scripture is saying. Religion will always say it will be. And the New Testament always said it is now so. And it is so as this glorious vision he's put within you. And you, you move, that's who I am, but I'm getting to who I am. I'm becoming who I am. I'm waking up to who I am. Which means I'm no longer trying to get because the entole has been implanted. And the entole says, You have, it is so. And so it isn't after you've done this, it isn't when you've prayed enough, it isn't when you've read your Bible enough, it isn't when you, when you, when you, when you. You just sit back with a great laugh of holiness and say, It is so. It is so. And so we settle into our identity. And it affects me totally because now I, it goes backwards and forwards. I, it's not only something now, but I wake up to realize my genesis, my, my beginning, my origin. I origin, I, Malcolm Smith originated before the foundation of the world in the entole of God. God the Father said he would not be God without Malcolm Smith. And every one of you can say the same thing of yourself. That's the gospel. We're called into that. So I see myself backwards. And I see now all my life with all its twists, turns and messed upness was really the broken road that led me straight to the heart of the gospel. It's, so it means that the entole is a prophetic word inside of me. If you like prophecy, well, you've got the biggest prophecy going. It, the, the prophetic word is, thus saith the Lord, this is who you are. 
I said, the Lord, this is where we're going because you already are there and you're discovering it. It's, it's a journey of discovery, not of getting somewhere. That, that's, you, you have this destiny and it now is. So let's discover, let's explore. And amazingly, when you see this, when you see that entirely that governs my existence, old habits drop off. It's See, when the command says, thou shalt not, what do I get? A resistance. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I will not when you're watching, but <laughs> that's a command. But Entoli puts it in me, this is who you are, and I, really, I, don't, I don't need this, I don't need this. It's something that's taken over. I, I reimagine my identity. And I really mean that because all of us, if you want to sit long enough and think about it, we all imagine who we are. And any situation that comes up, we apply that imagination. That, that That's who I am and therefore I can, I can't, I'm no good, I'm whatever. Well, it, we now reimagine ourselves in the light of the entoli that has been placed within us. See, how many times have you tried to achieve a certain place in God while you are imagining your life is a failure? How many times have you prayed for a sick person while imagining them sick? Doesn't make sense, does it? No, the entole says this is the way it is. Now bring all of life. And the result is, I begin to see myself as I really am. Even though my behaviors right now don't match up to that. But my behavior does not dictate who I am. And when I begin to see myself increasingly as who I am, my behavior catches up. That's the way it is. Well, I could keep going. And of course, most of those texts said it, that this entole is the beginning of all prayer. See, prayer is not asking for what you don't have. Prayer is not begging God to give you what as yet you don't have. I don't know where that fits. It fits in religion, but it doesn't fit in the gospel. Prayer in the gospel is like going to the bank to withdraw a hundred dollars when you've got a thousand dollars in there. It means you you have it, and now at this moment I need part of that to apply here. So, why? How do I know I've got that in the bank? That's the entole. The entole says, "This is who you are. This is what God thinks of you. This is what He's given to you in Christ." And so, prayer. Is I live in that atmosphere. I live inside of that. And that, and remember, go back through all those texts we wrote, read at the beginning. As Cheryl said, um, we have just moved to Bandera. Well, we've moved Cheryl to Bandera. Didn't that sound easy? We moved. <laughs> <laughs> ay, 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 no, no, no. 
Let, let me tell you about the move, but let me tell you about it in the light of what I've just said. Because back before Christmas, I asked Cheryl to marry me. And that means come and share my life, as I will share your life. We shall share a home. We shall make a life together. And when she said yes, an entoli took place. Something came into our life that overshadowed the whole of our life. It was a vision. It was, this is where we're going. Everything I've just said, the two persons coming together, two homes coming together. That entole didn't only redirect, reimagine our lives, it reimagined everybody's life around us. It was as if you'd dropped a glorious happy bomb in, in the middle of all friends, relationships, and everybody got involved. And now everything, every, everything that we are doing is moving, is being drawn, actually, to that goal. The first step of that was on February 27th when we were married. I said the first step because Cheryl's home was still in Houston. My home was here in Bandera. And so the first step was marriage. But again, now everything revolves around completing this covenant in bringing the two homes together. And that entole, that vision of two together became the womb of every decision. Everything we did, every relationship was involved. Everybody here, you got involved in that, whether you wanted to or not. It was, do, do you understand what I'm saying? And because of that, it's, it's done. We, was never, we didn't say, well, we're going to try and make this happen. Um, no, this is so. It's a done deal, but we're now moving toward it. And, and that came, there's a date for the moving. That's scary. <laughs> because now that is going to affect everything we do at another level. And I, I hardly know how to put this into words because it happened to me first because Cheryl moved up here right away and so my house went through it first then we went down to her what happened you discover there's mountains of things that you don't need anymore and you wonder why on earth you've kept them so long right down to clothes that you always thought one of these days i really should wear only presently they don't fit around me, but one day they will, I'm sure, and so we keep them and stuff places with them. And, and 
books that I thought one day I'd read, but now I never... Do you know, you know what I'm getting at? You go through, you go into the attic, the attic of memory, and, and things that were so important. You couldn't get rid of them, but now, well, we're going to move. <laughs> and out it goes, and out it goes. If you went down Mulberry Street, you saw 15 sacks of trash, didn't you? It was, you know, your, your life that is no more is controlled by the Entoli. The Entoli said, two are coming together. And you don't have to, you know, mess with it. It's obvious then if that's the case, this goes, this goes, this goes, this goes, that. And then we go down to Houston. The Entole drew us down there, you see. And, and now we're going to apply it there, up into the attic. And and, and sometimes it, it's, it's heartbreaking, soul-tearing. You stand over memories and realize there's really no point in holding on to this. You know, it's another world, another life. And yet part of you goes with it in order to be locked into the new, the Entole. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It, it came very real to me. The entole is always there. That's what it's about. These are not uh, decisions made in a vacuum. These are not decisions from nowhere going nowhere. They're locked into that entole, and therefore it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Until finally you've said goodbye to what was in order to say resurrection to now what is. I hope that helps you understand what I've been saying. The eternal intention found fulfillment in Christ in the incarnation, the resurrection, is now put inside of us by the Holy Spirit. The first, the first Christians... And, of course, later ones tried to get back there. But the first Christians had to face it. The Old Testament is over. And that, that's pretty wild, you know. Um, the law? What's wrong with the law? Nothing, actually. Um, it's you that's the wrong here. Can't keep it. And um, under the new this entoli that you've now discovered is the power of God within you to be himself in you. You don't, you don't need the law. It had its place, very definitely had its place. So you mean, we don't go to the temple anymore? No, I'm sorry. Oh, it's a beautiful temple. It's a wonderful temple. We don't go there anymore because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we all gather together, we are the temple of God. And, and I, I can feel it when I read the New Testament. I can feel it, the agony of a person saying, uh, the law is, is gone, it's over, it's finished. We now have the Holy Spirit within us. And there's no more Ten Commandments. There's the Holy Spirit saying, love one another as I have loved you. And there's no more temple. Um, and so we, we try and call our buildings in which we meet. We call them temples and call them lots of things. But 
And we say it's called the house of God, but they're not, you see. You guys sitting here, you guys sitting there, you're the temple of God. And when we come together, the temple has come together. The stones are fitting together as we sit here. And when we go out the door, the temple and the, is, is, is scattered. We're still joined to each other, but we're scattered because it's not a place. It's not a point on the map. It's not in, in ways, you know. Where, where, where is the church in Bandera? Don't put that in ways because it wouldn't know what to do with it. Because right now it's Monday, so this church is scattered all over the place. But they come back, and when they come back, there. That, that's the new vision. Uh, and what does that new vision say? Well, that doesn't belong anymore. You can put that out to the trash. It, it, it was a beautiful thing in its time, but it doesn't apply anymore. Out it goes, out it goes. You say, well, I, 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 I should keep the Sabbath. Why? Jesus is the Sabbath. And, and so out it goes, you see. I, I, I want to give a tithe so that God will be forced to bless me. Well, don't be daft. You see, that, that, that was good in the Old Testament. Tithing was a tax. It was a temple tax. And, and there were conditions attached to it. But if Christ himself lives in you, you are blessed beyond all language. You don't buy it with a tithe. So what do you do now with your money? You give as the Lord has blessed you. And you should remember the tithe was 30%, not 10%. And now he says you come into such a wonder that there's no longer pressure. You do it out of your heart. It's because of the entoli. You've seen who you are. And therefore everything changes. Everything changes. Anything now that is incompatible with that entole is discarded. Well, there it is. I've landed the plane. I will. Because the only way to finish this is to go and do it. And that I send you to go and do. Father, open the eyes of our understanding. Open our eyes to the goodest news we've ever heard. Open our eyes so wide that we see the lies and we see religion in all its death. And no one has to convince us because you've opened our eyes. Open our eyes to see your glorious intent and purpose. Make it so real in our lives. As we go into this incoming week, let us begin to unpack and come to realize that entole. We receive that from you, name Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.